0: Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.UpperRoomOhio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. But, current revivalist. I'm gonna believe our children don't have a junior version of the Holy Spirit. They're just in training how to how to utilize Him and, and work with Him and, and through Him and in Him and with Him. All right, um, Mike is gonna come up here, and I just I, I showed him my notes from first service. I don't I, I'm a note taker. That's how I process sermons, and I go back later and look at them. I took so many notes, and uh, I. You know, I don't want to put more pressure on him but that literally was one of the best messages i've ever heard so he's going to talk about his story here in every uh church he's going to launch that we've been in a series uh, called every we start with every table went through every house now we're launching every church today and then in february we're going to focus on every community and focusing on outreach um, so i just want to share one story chris Valentin had a dream many many years ago and this dream god was give, presenting him an opportunity and in the dream, he could pastor a church and get, get a blessing now with a couple thousand person church. Or he could say, stay and serve under Bill Johnson and, and inherit the nations later on and have that influence. And, and it was a, literally a choice. It was a fork in a road. Is he going to go and be a very successful pastor of a very large church? Or is he going to say, serve under a person and, and inherit nations eventually? And, and he chose to serve under Bill. And he talks about this, this walk and this experience and this journey of how he made the right decision. And when he's preaching his message earlier, it just reminded me of that story, how, how when you come into a family, and, and I'll just be honest, he's been one of the most submissive leaders, sons, friends that I've had. And uh, he could have went anywhere. He's been asked to speak at mega churches and, and but he chose up a room because he desired family. And uh, I'm excited for you. But welcome, Micah Level. That almost turned ugly. And when you both turn the same way,
1: that's scary. Yeah, I kissed. Wow. Can everybody hear me? Yep. Am I on? Okay. Wow. Man, I'm really excited to cheer with you guys today just to kind of launch off the every church thing. I've been loving this series as we've talked about every table, uh, every home, and now moving into every church. Then we'll move into every community. And uh, I just think it's a great great series that you know Aaron had a vision for a few months back um, but hey can I share a couple jokes with you guys get you get you share some stories so um, there will be a meeting of the board immediately after the service announced the pastor after the close of the service the church board gathered at the back of the auditorium for the announced meeting but there was a stranger in their midst a visitor who had never attended their church before My friend, said the pastor, didn't you understand that this is a meeting of the board? Yes, said the visitor. And after today's sermon, I suppose I'm just about as bored as anyone else who came into this meeting. (laughs) You want another one? They're pretty cheesy. You want another one? All right. One Sunday in a Midwest city, a young child was acting up during the morning worship hour. The parents did their best to maintain some sense of order in the pew but we're losing the battle. Finally, the father picked up the little fellow, up, picked the little fellow up, and walked sternly up the aisle uh, on his way out to the door. And just before reaching the safety of the foyer, the little the little one cried out loudly to the congregation, "Pray for me! Pray for me!" <laughs> Is it laughing? Okay, okay. No, no. Maybe it was just funny for me. <laughs> All right. Wow. Um. Well, man, I was here in first service. It was like uh, I think in November, Aaron asked if I would uh, preach on this today on this date, and um, I honestly I was really excited. But then I started as I started kind of gathering my thoughts together for this, uh, I started just feeling a little overwhelmed and like, oh my gosh! And I think I was overwhelmed because there's so much that could be talked about about the church. We could literally probably spend a three-month series alone on every church. You know what I mean? Just talking about what the church is, the culture of the church, uh, what we're created for as the church community, and I just felt it was kind of a daunting thing, but as I kind of just this week finally wrapped up and gathered up my thoughts really just yesterday, I felt like just the Lord helped me land on something that I think will hopefully benefit you guys today, and um, just really on what the culture of the church is, what is the container of the church, what is the the structure of the church as an, you know, to say, or what is the, the culture of the church? And then what is the call of the church? Like what are, what is it that, you know, what is it that we are? What is it that we're made to do? What is it that we're made to be? And, you know, to really start with talking about the church, I had to just go to the basic form of what does the word church mean in the Greek? And I'm not gonna go really theological today and break out all this stuff, but I just, I had to start right away with, you know, this word church that's mentioned you know, dozens and dozens of times in the New Testament, what exactly is that word? And if you look at that word in the Greek, it's a, it's a simple word, but basically means it says ekklesia. It's a Greek word, ekklesia, and it's made from two words, which is ek and kaleo. And ek means basically for, and kaleo means called or invited into. So, knowing this word, this ecclesia word, it helps me define, to set the tone for what I want to talk with you guys about today of what exactly we are. What is the church? And in simple form, this word ecclesia, this word church that is commonly brought up throughout scripture, really means that we are called from, invited into. We are the called from, and invited into people. This is literally all that we are. This is what the church is. It's, we've been called from the world, and invited into the kingdom of God. We're a people that were called out of a world system and invited into a new system, and it's the kingdom of God. And this is literally what the church is, because I think, you know, for a while we've been hearing this phrase, I, I feel like for years we've been hearing this phrase off and on at different times, is, you know, we, we don't go to church, we are the church. And I've kind of, you know, you sometimes maybe you wrestle with that, like, huh? like okay we don't go to church we are the church but we do go to church like what Huh? what's happening you know and this gives a perfect example because the church is people the church is you and me and for all of us this makes up the church in the entire world but here specifically even at upper room it's a people group in a community that have been called for, from invited into in simple form you guys follow me with this So this is really what the church is. This is what we are. And as I started thinking about this ecclesia, this called from invited into people, I was trying, I was wrestling through, you know, where can I find a picture or an example? Where, where's, where can I look to find this image of what the church looked like, what this ecclesia looks like? And I honestly had to go all the way back to the beginning. I had to go all the way back to Genesis chapter one in the very beginning when God created mankind. Because if the church is ecclesia, if it's a called out and and, and invited into people, I had to go all the way back to the beginning of people. You know? So I turn back to Genesis chapter one, and in Genesis chapter one, there's this amazing, it's the amazing account of God creating the world and creating all things. And it gets to this portion where he creates mankind. He's creating man, and it says that, He he says, we will, we make man in our image and after our likeness, making man after his image and after his likeness. And then he made mankind male and female. And then it says that he made this statement to them when they were created. He said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth, take dominion over the earth. You have authority over everything that lives and everything on the earth. Take dominion, take authority, be fruitful and multiply. And as I was reading this beginning portion of like the creation of man, I found, I felt like I saw three things that are happening here in this first account with man interacting and communing and fellowshipping with God that I feel like are keys of the three things that really, if I could boil down, make up the church. And the first thing that I see is that God didn't plant a church building or an organization or a business in the garden. He planted a family. Because it says he created man in his image and his likeness, male and female. He created in the very beginning, what he started, what he planted was a family in a garden, a family to be fruitful and multiply to just to have lots of kids. Hey, male, female, man, woman, get together, have lots of kids. That's what he planted in the garden. So the first thing that this, this blows me away is that I see that the church or ecclesia it's called to be a family. And then the second thing that I see happening here is that it says that he made man in his image and after his likeness. If you jump, jump ahead a, a, little, a little bit in, the, in Genesis, you find the detailed story of creation of man. And it literally said that God formed Adam with clay. And then he breathed life into him. And when Adam woke up and when Adam came to life, The first thing that that he uh, laid eyes on was the face of God. Because God breathed into his his breath, into his mouth. So when he opened his eyes, the first thing he saw was the face of God. And then farther along, it says that God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as he commonly did, to fellowship with Adam and Eve. And what this speaks to me is that the second thing is not only is the ecclesia, this church, this community of people, isn't it? Not only is it called to be a family, but it's also, we're called to host the presence of God. Adam and Eve were a family in a garden hosting the presence of God. They were fellowshipping with him in a love relationship, communing in the cool of the day in the garden. This was the original design. Now, we know that sin and all this stuff messed it up, but the original blueprint and design was family hosting the presence. And then the third final thing that I see in this is the last command where he said, be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion over the earth. And this third thing right here is super simple of literally expand the family. Grow the family. Expand the family. Present my heart to the rest of humanity. And if you, I, I, as I'm looking through, just boiling down this, this equity what we are as a church, it's these three things that we're a family hosting the presence of God, carrying this heart to humanity. That's, it's super simple. And even today, like as we were worshiping, I was just crying off and on, just the presence of God was moving in this place. And I just thought, what an amazing community of people, you know, we, these three things are already are so alive and vibrant. In our family here. Um, But it's it's just so powerful, this reality of the three simple things. And you see this happening in Paul with Paul. Paul talked about the church more than anybody probably in the the New Testament. And in his letters and in his writings, he had a, a lot of different things to explain and describe what the church is. But there were three things that I think he primarily hit on commonly was the first thing that he, he commonly talked about the church is a house, the house of God. The second thing that I, I saw, I see a lot in the New Testament is Paul referred to the church as a bride. And then the third thing that we see commonly Paul talk about is a body. And again, I see these three things is what is residing in a house, a family, so we're the family of God. We are the house of God. The next thing is the bride. What is a bride? A bride is about the hosting, the presence of God. Is a bride, the biggest dream, goal, love is to, is to host the presence of the bridegroom. To literally just be in a radical love relationship with the bridegroom with no care. Not for the purpose of anything other than just to be in love. And then the third thing we see is the body, which to me, the body, when Paul talked about the body, it was literally to be the hands and feet of Christ on the earth. We're the body of Christ, is the church, is the ecclesia, we're called to literally continue the mission of Jesus. The great commission is to continue the ministry of Jesus. So as the body, we're his hands and feet now doing the work that he once did. Amen? So I really want to break out these three things to you guys today, just to really break out what exactly, uh, you know, what it looks like, what these things look like. So, family, hosting the presence, carrying His heart to humanity. Another quick example and image I want to give you before I move into these three things is uh, Jesus talked about a wine scan, a wine with new wine, a wine or a wine with new wine, and. Just as another image to help maybe break these three things out is the wineskin or the container is the family the wine is the presence of god and our mission is to give the world a drink wineskin wine give the world a drink there's a lot to go around <laughs> um, so i wanted to talk i want to talk about the first thing here is the first thing here is family that the church is, is a family. It's not a business. It's not a organization. It's not, you know, all these different things. It could have been so many things, but God chose for the church to be a family, a family with a, an amazing, amazing father. And like, and, and this is really all that we are. This is what it's all about. And I, you know, I to I want to talk about family, but I want to bring it maybe in a different light than it's typically been brought. Cause if, you know, there's Aaron and Nicole have so greatly not just taught us family, but they've also modeled to us what family looks like in a church community. And, uh, you know, we wanted to see in our homes, in our own family lives, like God has radically you know, created this amazing family culture through Aaron and Nicole in our, in our, in our upper room here. So I'm not going to necessarily bring it about the way that we've commonly heard through Aaron and Nicole because that's been so, I feel like, anchored and instilled in us of, you know, what family looks like. The the church is a family. But one of the things that I really want to talk about is how do you find your family? Like, how do you find your covenant family? How do you find your people? Because, like, the church is a family, but, like, you know, it's not just meant to be a one Sunday morning thing. Because we're a family, and because we're an ecclesia, and we're a people, it's not, this family thing has to go beyond just once a week showing up, that's not family. Family is every day, you know what I mean? It's nitty gritty. And so to, uh, for that to really work, it ha- you have to find your people. You, like We all have to find our people. We have to find the ones that we're meant to link arms with and run with right here in this room. That, ha- that will translate beyond just Sunday morning because we could show up and just sit in a seat or just fill a seat and be in this environment that's been created like a table or an atmosphere that's been set of family, but then it doesn't translate into our everyday life with linking arms with other believers. So this is really important with me of how do you actually find your people right here or out there where it's not just a Sunday morning thing, but it's all of life. And for this, I I really honestly had to come to the story of Ruth, Ruth chapter one, was just a perfect, beautiful example to me of what it really looks like to come into family. In Ruth chapter one, I'll paraphrase it because I'd have to read the whole chapter, but in, Luke chapter, or in Ruth chapter one, it talks about this lady named Naomi. And Naomi to literally leaves her country, leaves her people, and goes to a foreign land with her husband, and eventually, and they have kids, and while they're in that foreign land, their sons get married to Ruth and, an, and a lady named uh, Orpah. N- not Oprah, but Orpah. It's, it's kind of a weird name. Um, anyways, um, so these two ladies and they get married and they're like, you know, they're doing life, but literally tragedy hits and they, her, Naomi loses her entire family. Literally her husband dies, her sons die. And she loses everything. She loses her family. She loses finances. Like everything comes toppling down. And Naomi's like, you know, what am I doing here? What am I doing in this foreign land with these foreign gods? I'm just going to go back to my people because I have absolutely nothing. I'm going to go back to my people because there's nobody else left for me here. And when she announces this, Ruth and uh, Orpah are just like distraught and they're crying and they're running along with with her and they're like, you know, please let us go with you. We don't want to leave you. And, you know, Naomi's like, please just go. I don't have any more sons for you to have husbands. I don't have any money. I have literally nothing that I can offer to you. And why don't you just leave and go back to your people and go back to your gods? And after a while, basically, Orpah decides to leave with tears. She's crying, but she says, you know, okay, I'm leaving. She kisses Naomi and she takes off. But, and Naomi take, keeps walking. But as she walking, suddenly somebody runs and clings to her legs, clinging to her legs. And she looks and it's Ruth and Ruth is like just crying. I will not leave you. I will not leave you. And Naomi's like, look, your your sister-in-law already left. Why don't you leave too? And Ruth makes this stunning statement that literally, it, it just blows me away. She looks up at Naomi and she says, I will not go. Where you go, I will go. What you say, I will say. Where you die, I will die. You are my people. Basically, she's saying, Naomi, no, you are my people. You are What what are you talking about going back to the foreign land? What are you talking about going there? Like, you're my family. You're all I have. And just clinging to her and running with her. And this covenant, what I want you to see is this covenant relationship that took place between Ruth and Naomi. This covenant connection, this covenant family. They weren't even blood family, but they they bonded together as family. And Ruth went with her now to her foreign land. What I want you to see is this covenant relationship, Ruth finding her people, actually set her up for the greatest stepping into of her destiny, her calling, and even her legacy, because she she covenants with Ruth, or with Naomi, and when she gets there, she meets a man named Boaz, and falls in love and gets married to Boaz, and is forever, for all of history, as a foreign woman grafted in, to the family tree and family line of King David and in turn, Jesus, the son of David. Come on, all through covenant relationship. When you find your people, you'll find your destiny. When you find your people, you'll find your calling. And this has been totally true for me. Like this has been true for my life. This has been my story literally all along. I, I was raised in the church. I was raised, uh, I'm a PK. So I've been in the church uh, for a while, but I had a rough patch there and really walked away through my, my teens. So for me, I've, I've now as I've come back to the Lord, it's been, it's been 10 years just on January 1st that I've been walking with the Lord. And in these last 10 years, like, I can tell you literally everything, every big defining moment in my growth, in my walk with Jesus, every breakthrough, every, every major thing that has happened in my life, even uh, just, I mean, everything and anything you could name has all come through the context of covenant relationship. It really has. There is not a single thing that I can look back on that didn't happen or trace back to being in a relationship with somebody that turned in and led to this and led to that. Everything comes through the people you are with, the people you're in community with. You know, it's been every step of my journey all along from different things and different people along the way that even go beyond, you know, this building. There's covenant relationships and covenant people that are family. I mean, I know Jamie Van Gelder coming is a covenant brother to Aaron. It's like it's in here, but also out there. It's this weird thing where we find our people that we actually can rub on and do life with. Um, so it's been every step of the way, but this has really been my story even with coming here. Like coming to Upper Room, like for two years before coming here, prior to coming here, pri- prior to these two years, Meredith and I were on staff at a church. We were a part of a ministry school and all this stuff. And I think I've shared this story before with you guys, but just a whirlwind happened in, in like a matter of like a few weeks. Everything came tumbling down. I, I got laid off from my job. I lost all my friends. I lost my church community. The ministry that I was a part of completely fell apart. And. On top of that, my, we, we just welcomed my daughter, first daughter into the world. So I'm unemployed, I'm friendless, I'm churchless and all this stuff, and we have this baby daughter. We're like, all right, we're happy with her. Well, we'll you know, <laughs> we have a daughter to celebrate. Um, <laughs> um, but anyways, man, in this two-year journey, there was a two-year journey after this thing where everything came tumbling down. And in that time, there, it was this really weird scenario where everything fell apart but then suddenly started getting all these speaking invites and I was going around and I was speaking. And I remember a couple of times I was in these two, this two year window, I spoke in this church of like 1500 to 2000 and I'm like in the back leading up to, to like, we're, I'm just meeting the pastor. I was invited from one of the other pastors and I'm just meeting the senior pastor and we're in the back and he we're I'm literally having this awkward conversation where he's like, so what church are you part of? And I'm like, well, actually, I don't have a church family. And I'm about to preach on the, on the stage to this whole church. And it was just weird stuff happening. So there was all this breakthrough in these things. But it, but it was like, for two years, I was just searching and longing together. Meredith and I were searching and longing for family, for somewhere to call home. Somewhere that we could call home. And, and I, honestly, we, we visited tons and tons and tons of churches in the area. We had invites from ton, a lot of pastors to either just come and, you know, hey, we'd love you here. You guys are family to us. And Or literally just, hey, can you come be on staff here and do this and do that? And, and we, nothing felt right. We turned down lots of offers and lots of things because, no, and they're all amazing places. I'm still in covenant relationship with a lot of these guys, but it just, nothing felt like home, felt like family. And then in December of 2015, I'm up at one of those Naomi people. One of those, you know, I felt, I, I, one of those people that I just clung to like Ruth. You know what I mean? Along my journey, just somebody... Like in Ruth and a Naomi, one of these guys named Vic Kales, he's an amazing guy. He actually helped me through a lot of the pain of all that loss in that two-year time. And we're up visiting, literally just hanging out. He's one of my, Naomi's one of my covenant friends. And we're up there literally just visiting for the weekend. I don't know what's going on, what's on the agenda at their church. And we get up there, and lo and behold, guess who are the guest speakers? It's Aaron and Nicole. And I'm telling you, it was like, I can't even necessarily put words to or describe like what happened. Like literally, it was just this instant heart, like knitting heart connection. It felt like a Ruth and the only thing. When, I, when I, we met them right away, you know, we weren't obviously having conversations about this together, but the very first night, I think on the way back to Vic's house, Meredith and I were like, oh my gosh, like what? Like about Aaron and Nicole. And we were like, what is happening? Just like felt so like connected and it was that Ruth and Naomi thing like instantly I can't explain it but I felt in my heart like where you go I will go where you what you say I will say and where you die I will die even if I it's dying from you (laughs) you know just in case if Aaron was going to kill me or something (laughs) figuratively speaking if you're having conflict or whatever it's like even if like even if like I'll take a bullet for you even if it's from you and that's how I felt right away is this Ruth and and I never would have thought, like all I knew is right away our hearts were nailed, like we are clinging, we're jumping on, like, like Ruth, we're going to go where they go and we're going to say what they say and we're going to follow them. And I never would have thought in my wildest dreams that in, in covenant relationship with them in getting linked up with them in covenant family, I got, we got way more than we bargained for. I feel like Ruth, we got an entire family. And I had an amazing, I have an amazing natural family, even spiritual family. My dad is like just an amazing prophet, amazing guy. Like I have a rich heritage, but I just was searching and searching and searching for a church that was a family. And I feel like Ruth where I got way more than I bargained for. I got Boaz, I got the legacy. You know, I got the, I got the family trajectory. I got the, all, you know, it's so much more than I thought and, ever, and dreamed in these last two years. And it just really is true. Like show me who you hang out with and I'll tell you what you're called, what your calling is. Because you really are like the sum of the five people that you hang out with the most. Who are you hanging out with? You know, who are your people? Who are the people that you've got linked arms and covenant with? Because when you find your people, you will find your destiny. And this has been so true for me. I had all these compounding prophetic words and all these promises over my life. And a lot of it was happening, but it was, it was just very few and far between. And I was like, how is this puzzle of all these prophetic words going to come together? Anybody can relate to that? You feel like you have all these compounding words and and where are these all going to fit together? Man, I'm telling you when I found in linked arms of covenant relationship with them and family and found family here. It has launched me and propelled me into the, all those words and those things that were compounding in my life. Because in the last two years, like, we're seeing like, thousands in the last two years get, get saved through one-on-one evangelism. And I had words from out the gate when I was just born again 10 years ago that I was gonna win the souls. And it took finding a family and being set in a family for the destiny to be activated. And I, I know a lot of us, all of us in this room, we have callings, we have destinies on our life that are so big. And the reality is, is your calling is meant to be bigger than you. It's meant to take it's meant to require people in relationship. If if the dream and the calling on your life can be fulfilled just through you, then it's not a God calling and a God dream. Because a God calling and a God dream will actually take finding your Naomi. Amen. So with that, I just really want to, you know, just encourage you guys to, you know, you guys are already really walking in this amazingly. Like I'm, as I said, I'm just blown away. I said this in first service, literally the best church I've ever been to in my whole life. And I, you know, as I said, I was a PK, I'm a PK. So I've been in a lot of churches and I've seen a lot of church and this is the best community. I see these three things. I see the family in operation. Um, but what I just want to encourage you is, with this is that to find your people. You know, maybe that we have this broad family as a whole with upper room, but who, are, who have you linked up arms with? Who have you connected with? Because I'm telling you, you maybe you'll find way better worship. And th- the worship was amazing, by the way, today. I was like, I, don't, I personally don't think there's any better worship, but you know, just saying. But maybe you feel like, you know, I, I think it's, we're pretty good, we're pretty spoiled here. But I'm just saying, like, you, maybe you think you can, there, you'll find better worship o- online. On youtube or something maybe you'll find better worship online maybe maybe you'll find a better sermon i'm sure you'll find a better sermon than the one preached today online but the one thing that you cannot get or find online is family you cannot find the opportunity to have authentic vulnerable relationships where you're literally iron sharpening iron and it's messy and you're conflicting you're communicating you're wrestling through stuff you're literally getting sifted out to be more and more transformed and conformed into the image of the sun. That'll only happen in family. So I just wanna encourage you, like we have family as a culture here, but find your people. I wanna encourage you this year, find your people. Maybe it's the person right next to you in the seat. Find your people that you can actually run with and do life with outside of this Sunday morning setting. They will actually sharpen you and push you and propel you. And get around people that make you uncomfortable. That's been the other big thing of my life is I've, I've honestly, intentionally, ever since I got saved, I intentionally put myself around people that were way bigger than me. Because I heard this phrase that said, if you want to slay giants, you have to get around giant slayers. So I, I'm, I am not afraid to be the small fish in a really big pond. I'm not, that doesn't make me insecure. That excites me because I knows that I'll, it, that means I have a lot of room to grow. Get around people that make you uncomfortable. Amen? i got to move on. I could literally stay on this forever, but i got to move on to the two other points. Um, so the second thing that I want to talk about is, you know, okay, so we're a family. This ecclesia, this church, we're a family. We're a family with an amazing dad. We're daughters and sons. We're not ministers. We're not, you know, this job title, that job title. We're just, we're just daughters and sons with an amazing dad. But then the second thing is not only are we a family, but we're a family hosting the presence of God. Hosting and carrying the presence of God. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to look up on uh, our YouTube and is it Vimeo of, our, uh, of Aaron's message last week uh, that was really talking about this reality of hosting the presence of God, keeping the main thing, the main thing, hosting him, per, uh, pursuing his presence. And there's a passage in scripture that, uh, again, I'll reference because it would be a lot of verses to jump around. Let me fuel up for this. Okay. Exodus 33, 1 and 2, and then 12 through 16. Account this amazing story with Moses and God. And basically, what happens in verse 1 and 2 is um, God basically, you know, there's a lot of rebellion and things that are happening with the, uh, the people. And God's basically like, dude, like, Mo, like, you go on ahead and you take those people into the promised land. And you know what? I'm going to send an angel with you. I'll send this powerful, mighty, fiery angel that'll conquer, help you conquer armies and all this stuff. I'll send this angel with you. You go on ahead and you do that thing. And Moses makes this amazing statement in for 12 through 16. He says, God, like I will not go. I will only say what you say. I will only go where you go. I will only die where you lead us. Like I'll, I'll die where you lead us. I will follow you to death. I'm only going to go where you go. I'm not leaving. I'm not going with that angel. I'm going with you. And God literally, in in a sense, it was like this this beautiful relationship exchange. And God's literally like, you're right, Moses. I'm going to, I like your plan. I like what you just said. I'm going to, I want, I'm going to go with you. And then Moses makes this amazing statement. He says, is it not your presence with us that makes us a, a distinct and peculiar people in all the earth, a distinct and peculiar people. And that word right there for distinct and peculiar is really in some ways a Hebrew word for that same Greek word of ekklesia, making us a distinct or a called out and invited into people. Is it not your presence being with us? I mean, this is amazing. And this is literally what we were created for. This is what makes us the ecclesia. This is what makes us a called out and invited into people is that we're not only a family, we're also a family that hosts the very presence of God. And I love this as as an example. There was one time, um, it's, it's my story, but it also isn't my story. It's my dad. So I'm kind of stealing it or plagiarizing it, whatever you want to call it. Um, but my dad, man, when I was two years old, he said that my dad's always been bivocational. He always, was uh, an associate pastor on a pastoral team at churches, but then also always worked full time in business. And uh, so Sundays, he, I can't, apparently he had a routine. You know, he'd get up early and have some time with the Lord. You know, he has his busy week, but then he'd get up and spend time with the Lord and just preparing for Sunday. And then he had this his thing where he had his company truck, and apparently they didn't have a coffee maker. So he would get in his company truck, drive down to the local gas station, and fill up on a cup of coffee. And then come home and by the time he came home, he would then help my mom get all of, all of us ready and we'd all get ready to go and go to church. And he's shared this story for years, apparently when I was about two years old and my parents, they always called me sunshine. They always called me uh, because I was the first one to wake up all the time. I have five siblings and I would be like, I mean the crack of dawn, I'm waking up and I'd be running in uh, to the kitchen and my mom and dad are there while they're you know, hanging out before he goes to work. Every morning, I was just that guy, and they're like, good morning, sunshine, because they were expecting me to run around that corner. So apparently, this day was no different. I'm two years old, and I'm in my onesie or something. I don't know if you can picture it now, but you know. Um, <laughs> I'm in my onesie, and I come running down the hall, and my dad's at the door, and he's literally about to leave and get into his company truck. And my mom and dad said that literally, I ran up to him at the door, and I just lifted my hands up really high. And I just said, with you, Papa. With you, Papa. I kept on saying it, with you, Papa. And my dad was, you know, he was hurried. He was in his routine. And he honestly was a little frazzled and didn't want to take me. Just because, you know, he's in his mode. And my mom said, you know, Duke, I really think you need to take him. And he's like, oh, all right, all right, I'll take him. And I, apparently I had never ridden in the company truck. So he gets the car seat out and he puts it in his company truck and he loads me in. He got in the driver's side and he looked over and he said the whole time, the whole drive the house to the gas station i was staring at him sitting in my chair like <laughs> just staring and he's just like driving he gets to the gas station he gets me out takes my hand goes into the store and literally this is not a chain store this is like a cram-packed mom-pa gas station toys you know candy all kinds of stuff a little kid could dream of and he said the whole time in the store while he was getting his coffee going to the counter i was just holding his hand staring up at him, smiling the whole time. And I didn't ask for anything. And he got back out to the truck and he was kind of like, what is going on? He was getting bothered, like almost, was, something was pulling at his heart. And he loads me in the car again, gets in and is about to head back home. He looks over, <laughs> just staring at him. And, and suddenly the father broke in and spoke to my dad. And he said, Duke, he's reflecting something that I want from you. And right in that moment, my dad said he, let, he raised his hands in the truck and just tears started rolling down his face. He said, God, like, I don't care about the stuff. I don't care about ministry. I don't care about the gifts. I don't care about you know, all the fruit. I, I'm just with you, Papa. With you, Papa. I just want to be with you. And that this is the call for us as the church. We're called to be a family of daughters and sons hosting the presence of a dad. Where as a collective community, we could all just shout together when we gather together on Sunday, with you, Papa, with you, Papa. We just want your presence. We just wanna see your face, with you. Not for what you'll do, but simply because of who you are. Amen? So not only are we a family that's hosting the presence of God, But then it doesn't just stop there. Like we aren't just meant to be daughters and sons, just enjoying the presence of our Papa. But then the third thing is that we're called to extend and expand the family. We're called to make an invitation As the called out and invited ones. We're we're called to call out and invite others into this amazing family and this presence that we're experiencing. You know, this, this for me is Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15 says this amazing thing. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Or Matthew, go into all the world and make disciples, disciple the nations. And another passage is Matthew. Matthew, where it talks about, it's the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus makes this amazing statement. It starts with our father. There's the family again. It's not my father. It's our father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the third thing. This is the command. Like, not only are we a family, we're hosting his presence, but we're called to literally be culturizers and influencers impacting the world around us, carrying his heart, offering the world a drink, carrying his heart to humanity, expanding the family, making the invitation To the orphans to come be daughters and sons. Because the Bible says in Romans that creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. It's groaning all of creation. And this is like the command. This is the call. This is why we are what we are. This is why everything that we are as a family hosting his presence is that then we make the invitation and invite the world into the same. And this looks like so many different things. This can look like, I mean, literally just the other day, you've heard a lot of my stories. Like, this can look like just the other day, I'm going to AutoZone to pick up, maybe you don't like AutoZone. I had some, I said that and I had somebody comment on there. I posted it on social media and they commented, they're like, oh, well, once you get saved, you'll go to O'Reilly's. Um, so they, people have preferences, but I was at AutoZone because it was close to my house. And I, I'm driving to AutoZone because honestly, my engine light is on. My check engine light is on and I'm literally disgruntled and not at all thankful about it. I'm going there, and I'm, rrr, rrr. And I'm not. I'm not at all in the family, in the with you papa mode. I'm literally like, why is my check engine light on? So I pull up to the, car, to the store, and they do the diagnostic thing, check thing, and while I'm there, and it ends up it's not a big deal, but while I'm there, I meet, meet this young kid and his girlfriend, and just over a series of events, in the midst of that happening, the car trouble, they both and we end up interacting. They both give their lives to Jesus right there at AutoZone. Literally surrender to Jesus. We've been, we're in contact. We've been texting. And like, and, like, come on. That's amazing. So maybe it looks like that, but it doesn't have to. And that, like, I, I know you've heard my stories. And that there's, it look, can look like winning the lost and winning souls. But what I want you to see is that, like, there's so many people. I can look at every single one of you in this room. Even if I don't know you, I'm sure that this is true. Like, I mean, I'm just, like, it's a room full of champions, there's a, there's a room in here filled with champions of people that are literally impacting and culturizing society, bringing the kingdom into their environment. I mean, I, it, it could go on and on. I'm thinking it could look like going into the political realm. Oh, Pastor Gray has done that. He's, he's the county commissioner. It could look like going into the police service and you know, the, there, we have multiple police officers here. Oh, the fire department. We have that here or, or the business realm or being a, 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 an employee somewhere and just impacting your coworkers uh, with the kingdom of God. like. It can look like so many different things, or even uh, Matt Buer's idea with the MLK Day tomorrow. It can look like so many different things, it can look, it'll, but what it'll look like, it'll look like you. It'll look like you. It doesn't have to look like anybody else, but it, what it will include, maybe you'll have a different unique job. Maybe you have a different career or a different vocation and all this different stuff, but what it will look like is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It looks like pulling whatever is available in there into this realm. There's no sickness up there. There's no you know, disease up there. There's no poverty up there. So we're, everything we're doing, You know whether your, your mission is generosity, your mission is kindness, your mission is whatever your personal mission is, it includes kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the second thing it includes, which is found in that mission of the kingdom is go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, win the lost, come on. And it really looks like you. It'll look like you, your own unique calling. I literally could spend all time pointing all of you out and sharing you know, just the amazing impact you guys are doing in our community. So maybe it looks like an organized thing like MLK or an outreach or a crusade or you know, different things, but I think what it looks like is you Being the family of God, hosting his presence, and bringing those those two experiences into the environment you're called to. Be a daughter and son. Just be family. Be a daughter and son. Hang out with your papa, and then invite the world into that experience. Would you guys stand with me? And if the worship band could come... I hope you hear my heart in this, that I want I, really what I'm ta- what I'm addressing is I'm really take it as a um, confirmation and an encouragement for what you're already walking in. Each and every one of you, we're, we're like, we're doing this so well, guys, like take it as an encouragement and a confirmation that we're a family and we do that so well. We're hosting this presence. We do that so well. And we're going to carry his heart to humanity, take it as confirmation, take it as encouragement. But also I want you to take this today is an exhortation to maybe go a little deeper, take it a little farther, you know, maybe to recap, you know, we're a family hosting the presence, carrying his heart to humanity. Maybe the call for you today that is that you would find your people, Maybe God's calling you to find your people. Maybe you've shown up here every Sunday and you feel at home, but like you haven't found your people where you can literally get raw, vulnerable, and authentic with. God, I want to encourage you to find your people this year. Find your people. It could be the person right next to you. Find your people. Find somebody to run with. The second thing is maybe to host the presence of God. And you probably, maybe you've already found your people, but God wants you to go deeper. God wants you to go farther. The second thing is hosting the presence of God. Maybe there's a call in your heart that you would want to be more aware, more intentional, more aware of the presence of God in your everyday life. And then the final thing is that I'm going to pray. We're going to pray for these three things now. And the final thing that, that God is addressing is that we would have a greater awareness of the, the orphans around us that, want, that are called and destined to become daughters and sons. We would have that greater awareness in our workplace, at the gas station, at the grocery store, for those that can come into this ecclesia. So I want you to find somebody. It can be the person next to you, or if you see somebody across the room that you're drawn to, I want you to find somebody right now. And we're going to pray for these things together. I want us to pray for one another, to pray for these things. Like, I want this more. I found my people. I want to go deeper with my people. I, I love the presence. I want to go deeper in the presence. I go after and loving humanity. I want to love them more. Just partner up with somebody right now, and we're going to pray. To pray, I'm just going to pray over all of us. Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the amazing, kind, generous, loving Papa that you are to us. I thank you that it was by your doing, that your death on the cross, you could have started and initiated a business. You could have started a ministry. You could have started an actual natural kingdom, but instead you chose to choose a people to create a church, a family. God, we're just asking for deeper family in all of our lives. We're asking for this family thing, this family culture at Upper Room to go deeper. We're asking for those covenant Ruth and Naomi relationships to be birthed this year. That something would go deep, that the superficial would become official. (laughs) That it would go deep. And God, we're asking for an increased awareness of your presence. Thank you that you're always here. Thank you that you are eager to, to hang out with us. We just are declaring this for in our hearts, God, as a community, with you, Papa, with you, Papa. We want to be with you, not for what you can give us, but simply because of who you are. Grip our hearts again, give lot. Let us be aware. Open our ears. Open our eyes to be sensitive and aware of your presence. And the final thing, God, we're asking for an awareness, a greater awareness of the people around us that have not yet come into the family, the family experience that have not yet felt your presence or heard your voice, that you would grip our hearts for our coworkers, for our family member that isn't walking with you, for the person at the gas station, the person at the grocery store. Take us deeper, God, take us deep deeper. Let us be the beautiful ecclesia you desire. In Jesus' name, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Aaron has something to share, but we lo- I love you guys. Thank you so much. Let's give a shout to Jesus. Wasn't that a
0: home run for Jesus and what the church should be? Isn't that good? Hey, I uh, just wanna invite you to an invitation um, if this is home, if you found your people, if you found your Naomi, if you found your tribe, um, one of our forms of membership, it's, it's somewhat informal, but if you believe this is, this is your home, and you want to put a stake in the ground and just own it and be responsible for, for this uprooming home, there's a, there's a room out there, we call it the coffee room, uh, but there's a wall of pictures and it says covenant home family. And uh, when you put your picture up there, we consider you a member, but that takes you doing it. We're not gonna offer to print your pictures and put them up for you. That's putting your stake in the ground. So when and if this becomes home, just, just put your picture up there. Then you're. this is your family, this is your tribe, and uh, we'd be honored to have you. Uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention and really celebrate, is, is Shelly here? Shelly, happened to be here, Shelly.